Well, hello, everybody. My name is Jim Fisher, and we are talking to Michael Burt. This is episode one of A Wildlife. Michael, welcome to your own podcast. How's that feel? Uh, I'm not gonna lie; it feels kind of weird. Jim. Yeah, it's it's weird talking into a into a microphone, and there's nobody watching you. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot. Look, I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of podcasts out there, right? There's a yep. lot of people who do what we're doing. Um, but one of the things I like about about what we're doing here on this podcast in particular is that we're doing this for a really good reason. Um, mm-hmm. So, Michael, talk to people a little bit about who you are, what you do, um, and, and, and your vision for what this podcast is going to be about. Yeah. Um, what I would love this podcast to be is a fireside chat about wildlife. Everybody's got wildlife experiences. Everybody seems to be very entertained by wildlife. And what I'd love to do is bring awareness of all of the wildlife issues and amazing facts about wildlife all sorts of things that are happening around me and just rattling around in my head. Now, you're not just a guy that likes animals and watches funny animal videos. You're actually an expert, so we should probably let people know that up front. Give mm. people a little bit um, about what your background in wildlife is and kind of what you're doing right now. Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, an eclectic set of experiences and uh, knowledge. Um, so, you know, it all started in, God, I don't know when. <laughs> when you were little? When I was little. I mean, I always loved wildlife. I always loved hanging outside, um, loved being out there exploring, looking for things, finding things, um, trying to take care of things, even though I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> um, and making my mom really upset that I brought a whole bucket full of tadpoles from the river into her nice garage. Oh, that's kind of awesome. Yeah. So you've had a love of wildlife since you were a kid. We're going to get into that a little bit more um, in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. But right now you actually work for Lycan360, mm-hmm. um, which is a it's a pest control company, but it's a different take yes. on pest and, and control and, and wildlife. I would, I would guess like prevention. Um, I, I heard you say something earlier that you know, if you've got an uninvited visitor in your house, that's something that you guys can take care of. So talk to me a little bit about what you're doing for Lycan360. You also have a wildlife nonprofit. Oh, yeah. um, so let's go Lycan360 first, and I want to talk a little bit about the nonprofit. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so Lycan360 um, is definitely a different take on the whole pest control field. Um, I wanted to bring my wildlife biology expertise into it. And kind of merge everything together. So we're, um, we do wildlife, we do general pest, which is all your cockroaches and, you know, all the insects. Yeah, those gross things. Nobody likes those. Yeah, all your creepy crawlies. Yep. Uh, rodents and uh, termites as well, okay. uh, which is a specialized section in itself. And yeah, on a lot of the stuff we try and do it so that we prevent them from coming into your home so we have to do less um work. control yeah, yeah less less work later mm-hmm. and i know you know it, you could be listening to this um podcast outside of the new orleans area like in 360 we are are based here in the new greater new orleans region yes. um i don't know if you're aware of this but louisiana's a swamp there's a lot of gross things here a lot of creepy crawlies um 
different wildlife, I guess. I mean, look, I, I, I moved here in 2008. Um, and I, I was actually pretty surprised that there, there were as many interesting creatures. Like I think the yeah. first time I saw a nutria, I, I thought it was a giant rat. <laughs> it kind of looks like a giant rat. Um, so that, that's what Lycan 360 does. Mm -hmm. Um, I think one of the interesting things that Lycan 360 does too, is that if you have an uninvited guest in your home, um, that, that is wildlife, not like a cockroach or a termite. Obviously those are bad, yeah. right? Those are very bad, but well, like a nutria got in your house. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Let, You're going to try to trap it first mm -hmm. and get it out. Yeah. Let's, let me interject. There's no bad wildlife, right? They Talk all have their purpose. Okay, well, let's. That's another but, debate, but okay, sure. <laughs> but but they don't belong in your space. Sure. So let's let's do what we can to control them and keep them out of your space. And you're right. Yes, when it comes to squirrels, raccoons, the larger guys, uh, we're gonna find out why how they're getting in. Yeah. We know why they're getting in, and then we're gonna educate you on why they're coming in, and we're gonna educate you on how we're gonna wildlife proof your home. And then we're going to make sure that we give them a way out. And if they have babies, we're going to go in there. We're going to find those babies. And we're going to put them in an overnight box so that mama can get them later. And okay. then we're going to seal it up so they can't get back in. Okay, cool. Yeah. So they, they don't have to necessarily be destroyed, I think would be the term. Yeah. You know, to, all the time, right? All the time. Um, certainly there are some times that, that that's unavoidable. And, and then with things like cockroaches and termites, uh, as a person that recently experienced termites, I'm really glad that they're no longer on this planet. Right. Um, at least the ones that were living in my house. So yeah. that that's what Lycan360 does. Um, outside of that, though, and, and it's related, mm -hmm. is you have a wildlife nonprofit. Um, yes. Talk to us a little bit about why, you know, you obviously we have our for-profit business, but why get into the nonprofit field? What was your purpose and, and, and just thought process getting into that? Yeah, so Research Wild is the second love of my life after my beautiful wife Morgan. Now you got to make sure you say that he's taken. He's taken, ladies <laughs> or gentlemen, depending on how you feel. It's twenty twenty two. Of course, yeah, um, and it's something that I've been building, and it's been evolving for many, many years. It started literally just as a film project mm -hmm. that I wanted to put on and show the world about these blue collar conservation professionals all around the world that are doing all these amazing things and no one sees it because that's not what their focus is sure and um just talking about what makes them tick what makes their heart beat what makes them do what they do and then this kind of turned into a um a like working abroad project so building like an internship program or a volunteer program that could give students a way to build up their resume and earn skills in this field, not just go party in Cabo, party on the beach, yeah. kinda, get their hands dirty, help these professionals that are, you know, blue collar conservationists, grassroots, building it from the bottom up, and um, also paying into that. So with their student fees, they're paying into two nonprofits, Research Wild and whichever the host that they're staying with it. Well, and I know you mentioned, and you're listening to A Wild Life with Michael Burt. This is episode one. My name is Jim Fisher. I, I, I know you did this when you were younger. Mm -hmm. um, tell me where you went when you were in college. You went to Texas A&M. I went right? to Texas A&M for wildlife. We're, we're not going to hold that against you. 
Um, best program in the world. I would assume so. Um, so you, you went to Texas A&M. You studied what? What was your major? Uh, wildlife and fishery sciences. Okay. We graduated from there. Mm -hmm. um, but while you were doing that, you, you traveled abroad to kind of experience um, what it was like in other places. Because certainly while the U.S. is kind of broad yeah. spectrum, mm -hmm. right, it, it's different everywhere else. Talk to us a little bit about where you went and kind of how that changed your, your view of wildlife. Yeah, um, it was a, definitely a watershed moment in my life. Um, didn't expect it to have that much impact. How old were you when this happened? Oh, I was a junior at A&M. Okay, so, so like 20, 21, early 20s? Mm, early 20s, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And where did you go exactly? And we started our trip in Fiji, and okay. we spent eight days in Fiji, and then a month in uh, Australia. Wow. In Queensland. Yeah, but then... That wasn't enough for me. It wasn't enough for me. I went on the side through my contact with the abroad mm -hmm. company, and I got in touch with a couple professors at the university we were going to be staying at. Okay. And it took me a, a few months, but I got you know a hold of them, and I asked them if they had any internships I could do, and they said no. So I said, I'll take anything. They said, oh, we could set you up with a computer, and then you can go talk to the grad students. And I said, sure. So I spent the rest of the summer doing that. Okay. Yeah. And what did, what did you find? How are attitudes different in that environment versus, and in, in Fiji too, um, mm -hmm. compared to the attitude that a lot of people have here, here in the U.S. On, on conservation and wildlife? So this was why I called it a watershed moment because when, when you grow up in one place and that's all, you know, you see the outside world is something completely and utterly different, something mm -hmm. alien. Um, but then when you go out there and start talking to people and being with the people on something that really, really, really affects them, like, um, you know, the environment around them and conservation, you know, you find out that we're a lot similar than we think. We're a lot more similar than we think. And um, um, basically, humans all want the same thing. They want security. Yeah. They want food on the table. They want the pursuit of happiness. And they want, um, you know, they they just want to be happy. <laughs> yeah. They want, they want to survive. They want right? to survive. They want the best for their offspring. Mm -hmm. if they, or, or whomever, right? Yeah. You know, it, it's funny. There's so much um conversation that revolves around dividing us yes these days yes and that's everywhere i mean and, and it's mm -hmm. always been like that i know it might be a little worse now but it's definitely that conversation has always been there yeah but it's amazing when push comes to shove and i think in conservation you know are we going to survive or are we not is yeah. our way of life way of life yeah. physically going to be mm -hmm. comfortable for us or not it's amazing how none of those other things matter no yeah um which I think in, 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 in the case of what you're trying to do and give college students that kind of perspective and right. people, even through this podcast, that kind of perspective makes a massive difference yeah. in how you look at these things. We need everyone. We need, we need everyone. If you're insurance, banking, um, if, you, if your feet touch the ground and you walk on it, you're a part of this world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and I... I and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to kind of be associated with what we're doing. Um, I work a nine to five job. 
right? <laughs> I, I certainly am not a, a wildlife professional right. in any way, but we all have a responsibility to try to keep the place that we live mm-hmm. in as good a place as possible and then make sure that it's there for the for future generations. Not just us. You know, would you say in, in your opinion that we're at a inflection point in time where we we might be able to still fix the problem if if we continue to take steps in the right direction? Yeah, um, of course, when you're talking about things at such a great scale, especially with human beings, sure, um, it moves slowly. It moves very slowly because you're dealing with a lot of opinions, a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So um, honestly, we just kind of had a big moment, uh, politics aside, but there's a big act, you know, about climate change being, you know, put through for uh, us in the U.S. So um, and it's huge. It's going to put a lot of money towards um, investment in renewable resources. And I mean, my take is we have a sun, we have wind, we have water. Yeah, Why not use it? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're listening to A Wild Life with Michael Bird. I'm Jim Fisher. This is episode one of our podcast. Michael, I know you said that you developed a passion for wildlife when you were younger. Mm-hmm. And I I really believe that for people to want to hear what you're saying, they have to understand who you are as a human being. Yeah. Um so you mentioned you were you were um was it Navy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Navy um, brat. Navy right? brat. Yeah. Moved around a lot. Mm-hmm. Um developed a passion for wildlife when you were younger. What made you gravitate towards that mm-hmm. versus any of the other options that you had out there? Yeah. Um, so, you know, um, I grew up with two um, very hardworking parents uh, that worked a lot. They, um, My dad was gone sometimes. Back when he was on the ships, he would be gone for months at a time. And um, there were three of us, and we were all very different kids. Yeah. And so it was a big handful for the parents. So um, I kind of think I grew up on that back end where it was get out of the house, lock the door. Leave me alone for a little bit. You're not coming back in until you made some friends. Yeah. (laughs) And I hated making friends. I I loved it when it happened, like once it did. But I hated that, like, oh, my God, is this going to work out? You got to go meet somebody. You You probably don't have a fun time at networking meetings. Um, You know, I've gotten over it. But it still kind of hangs around there in the back. Sure. But, you know, it's kind of like getting into some hot water. You just got to get in there. You got to test a little bit. So (laughs) so you're a kid. You're you're out Mm -hmm. being forced to make friends, Mm -hmm. um, which, I mean, that's a good thing. Yeah. But you gravitate towards wildlife. Why is that? Yeah. And um, I had the... um, An an awesome experience because we, we also lived on different coasts. So sometimes we're up on the East Coast, sometimes we're on the Gulf Coast, um, and when when we were up in Virginia, we had a lot of wild areas close to the house, like Mm -hmm. a bike ride away. So me and my brother, me by myself, we would go out there and explore, and it just, it it felt like um, the more I looked, the more I found, and it just felt endless, and that's what I love about diving into something like wildlife there's so much out there 
that we're never even going to get to experience and see. Um, and it's just so interesting and different. And I always felt different, you know, always new kid, always moving around, felt different. And so when I, you know, looked at wildlife, I saw, you know, all the interesting differences in that. And, <laughs> you know, um, sometimes you want to try and like communicate with everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes they don't always speak your language. Sure. And with wildlife, you know, they all have completely different languages and it's just amazing unearthing and seeing all that. And I don't know. I just felt one with, uh, all that when I was out there. And I love the fact that everything kind of has a place and it doesn't know it or not know it. It just, it's just there. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's a lot of heartbreaking stuff when you put things through the human lens in nature, but there's also a ton of horrible stuff in, you know, amongst humans, you know, yeah, sometimes <laughs> we all we're, know that sometimes we're not very nice to each other. No, uh, Michael. So we, we have your for-profit company, Lycan 360. We've got your research wild, your nonprofit. Mm-hmm. One of the things you've, you've actually got a character, um, oh, that yeah. you've developed for kids mm-hmm. and it's, you've written a book that's already been published. Um, talk to us a little bit about the book and the name of your character and kind of how that developed. Yeah, and so I'm going to bring you back a little bit. We're going to go back in the the little uh, time machine um, to me just getting the job at the Fort Worth Zoo. Okay. And, I grew up in Fort Worth. Yeah. I know the Fort Worth Zoo really well. Oh, yeah. so I Big was, zoo. And I was stuck in the back. I was making diets for the animals. We were, we were the... Uh, we were literally the trolls under the bridge because the the little um, nutrition building <laughs> yeah. was an unassuming like building underneath this overpass. So they don't just throw out whatever they they have actual very specific diets they have to eat. They have to eat. Yes, um, actually, fun fact: um, the Fort Worth Zoo was one of the first zoos to ever have a nutrition department, so run by a nutritionist. Okay. Yeah, and she pretty much created. And trailblazed a whole new job. That's uh, Ann Ward. Uh, there were no zoo nutritionists before she came around, and um, you know, for better or worse, some people don't like being told kind of what to feed the animals. Yeah. But I think for the most part, it really helped, especially with the nutrition lab, mm-hmm. to pave the way to understanding how different species utilize the food that we give them. So you're you're out at the nutrition lab mm-hmm. at the Fort Worth Zoo. Yeah. Um, how did you get from there to Michael, the wildlife detective? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I was really bored at work and I was thinking about, I wanted to make something. And so I created a self-published book called Cody, the conservation pup about my dog, Cody, who's a chocolate lab. Okay. Very cool. And you know, he was this, you know, character and there's a bunch to this book, but basically he just went around solving other he went around solving endangered species problems. That Man, were, my, um, my pit bulls are not that useful. No, and Cody isn't either. But, I, you know, I'd like to think in his mind, you know. Yeah, that's what know. he was doing. That's what he was processing. But dogs, like, you know, it was that connection between the domestic and the wild. Okay. So having Cody be that connector 
for a kid, you know, who sees the dog at home. Yeah. And then sees this interesting animal they've never seen before. And, um, you know, I didn't know what I was getting into. Um, Self-publishing is tough. And I didn't have time at all. And I ended up going into some debt. And I was like, ah, this isn't the way. <laughs> and so this is not the way. And um, But I got the chance when I quit the Fort Worth Zoo mm-hmm. and went back to school to get my master's, I went on another study abroad. Okay. Um, and this was more of the internship style that I was creating. Um, turns out the guy was kind of a snake oil salesman, but and it was great because I got. I my mean, wife. I've seen Tiger King. It's my understanding that 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 happens a lot. Well, he 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 said he had a program, uh-huh. um, and it was not what he said it was. Yeah. Okay. And so he got me and my wife, which I awesomely roped into this whole escapade. It's always good, but. She she loved it. We we had a great time out in Africa, but it was um it, we can go more into that on another episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um I got the homestay that I was at, the host that we were staying with. Okay. The wife got me in touch with a couple local schools. And she said, "You have your children's book. Um if you want to go read it to the kids, I set it up at some schools." And I said, "Of course. I love to." And I went out to this I went to a private school and a public school. And the differences could not be understated. It was it was uh, eye opening. Um, but the kids loved the book. One of the the private school, their main language was Afrikaans, which is a Dutch language. Mm-hmm. It is not English. And so, even though they didn't know what I was saying all the time, yeah, they knew the book, and then the well, public they see the school, they see the pictures too, right? Yeah, the pictures. They were laughing and they were just having a great. And then we did activities that were in the book, so I had activities to get them moving around and learn about conservation. And man, that, that just that had such an effect on me. I I was like, man, this is yeah. What if you I, can get if you can start them at that age mm-hmm. and, and get them to appreciate what is happening. Oh, this is where it's at. Yeah, yeah. That that's the opportunity, right? And, and the teachers, the teachers were over the moon that I came out there. They were so grateful. The one at the public school was just like tearing up and crying and just so thankful. And, <laughs> whew, yeah. Um, so you've got your book now. So yes. you've got Michael the Wildlife Detective. Mm-hmm. Um, came out what six months ago? Yeah, May. Yeah. Okay. It took me from from 2015 or something okay. when I did the self-published book till now to get uh the courage to try again try again and i'm so glad i did and yeah scott campbell pelican publishing arcadia publishing amazing tell me a little bit about what's in the book now you know full disclosure i have a copy of the book my six-year-old daughter alex loves it Mm -hmm. um but tell us a little bit about what you have in the book and kind of you know what what's going on there yeah, it's um, basically the moral of the book is wildlife can live in the wild, we can live in our homes, and we can live together. So it's kind of about what I do as a wildlife removal uh, specialist in that, you know, Michael, the wildlife detective, follows the clues. He asks the questions, figures out what is going on, because most of the time when we come to a house, they don't know what's going on. They yeah. just hear noises and it freaks them out. And it's not fun. And it's not fun. So we come in and we, 95% of the time, I never see the animal. 
because it's hiding. It doesn't want to be seen by yeah. me. So I'm following the clues of what it left behind. Footprints, scat, um, even some grease marks on something that yeah. showed the oil from the fur. I mean, it can get pretty small and um, minute, but you can figure out where they're entering from doing that. And so I got that. I was like, man, I'm like a detective. I'm like, I'm like Sherlock Holmes. You should get one of the hats. I'm homing it up here. And um, <laughs> it, but when I called Scott to pitch him this, I pitched him Cody the Conservation Pup, and he was like, ah, there's a million books about dogs. We don't want to do that. That's true. That's not really a lot what of we dog books. Do. And he was like, and I was like, oh no, it's over. And he goes, <laughs> well, what do you do for a living? And I was like, oh, I remove wildlife from people's homes, and, you know, around Louisiana. Wow. And he goes, write a book about that for children, and we might publish it. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I just went right to work. I mean, it just came out, and um, and yeah. No, it it it. You know, it, it's funny. Um, my daughter, who is six, and we we sat down when she got the book. I remember when I met you, and I got the book. Went home that night, and we read the book together. Mm-hmm. Um, really, she read the book, and she was blown away at at just kind of how she was viewing yeah. these things that were scary to her. Because she's not a child who likes bugs mm-hmm. she hates bugs yeah she hates things that are not like her dogs are like a cat right yes. she lo- we don't have cats but she loves cats i don't know why but that's another conversation uh. um and it changed how she viewed this yeah you know and i know in our home it's important that we um establish that wildlife and conservation and taking care of the world that we live in is, is important yes um the book was a really great way to reinforce some of those values. I, I know in my full-time job, I work for another nonprofit and you came out and talked to our kids. Yeah. And they, awesome. they were blown away. Can you tell me a little bit? Um, because as an adult, I hear things, right? Mm-hmm. Air quotes, things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hear certain people's attitudes yeah. on conservation, environmentalism, whatever term you want to oh, yeah. use. What do you hear from children um, when you go out and you talk to them as this character it's amazing um yeah like going out with those kids and doing the scavenger hunts on the on the golf course yeah it's just it was just awesome and um well what one thing is that um they do you can almost feel like they're mirroring their parents in a way yeah there's like a full range of you know views and you know, kids who really love wildlife, like I, you know, I did, I, it, it's almost like a rebellious thing, you know, where your parents are like, don't touch that. That's gross. Like, and don't go there. Yeah, and I want, I'm, I'm going to hold it yeah. and, and scare the crap, you know? Um, <laughs> and some of the kids were like, you know, those are gross. Like, that's gross. And I got to tell them, no, 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 they're important. They're doing this and they're doing that, but don't get bit like an ant. Don't, yeah. don't let it bite you. It's going to hurt. Um, and, but then some of the kids were like, they had talking points down. They were like, I love all wildlife. It, it's all important. And, you know, uh, you know, we should respect it. And you're sitting there going, whoa, like that's, that's some wisdom to me that these yeah. little kids. So I'm, I'm blown away whenever the kids are like, you can tell when there's a kid that's like super, 
into wildlife. They're like little encyclopedias. And, you know, they just want more and more and more. Like they want all the zoo books. They want all the posters, the figurines. Mm -hmm. And that's how I was. I was just like more and more and more and more and more. Um, and, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's amazing. And to me, the most important thing in all of our problems of this world is education. Education solves most things. <laughs> I, I believe that incredibly. Like if you have good education going, you have um, people who are arming themselves with knowledge that they can use for the rest of their life. And whether that means um, holding a job, whether that means caring about things outside of themselves, if that means, you know, um, you know, them giving back later. So like kind of what you do at First Tee, you know, you're, you're teaching these young kids not just about golf, but you're teaching them um, skills that they can use for the rest of their lives and make them better people. And that's basically what we at Research Wild aim to do through nature and conservation. Michael, if people want to find out more about a Research Wild, um, Lycan360, mm-hmm. you get a copy of the book, whatever, yeah. how, how do people find you? Well, with Lycan360, we got, um, it's a simple website, but it serves its purpose. <laughs> um, it's got an integrated client portal through it, uh, but it's Lycan360LLC.com. Okay. And then for the book in Research Wild, it's just the letter R, wild.org. And then, you know, follow us on Facebook, across the board. You can follow me for Lycan, follow me for Research Wild, follow me for Michael, the wildlife detective. Um, But yeah, it's all important and and we're we're growing all of those things and hopefully we'll uh, leave the world better than when we found it well, i mean I'll, I'll tell you this you know i think there was a lot of great information um yeah. out there today i think you know this is important yeah and we're done with our first episode so oh my god already already so this is oh my gosh episode one of a wild life with michael burt i am jim fisher follow us facebook instagram like in 360 llc.com our research wild dot com or dot org uh rwild.org uh, it's always dot org with the nonprofit yes. so rwild.org and this has been a Fisher audio production thank you so much michael all right thank you